Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Well, hello everybody and welcome to the last episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors for a while. I won't say forever, but I will say for a while. Um, and it might be forever, but I don't know. And what better way to uh, have my uh, ending podcast episode rather than to bring my wife, Brandy McDonald, my favorite guest ever in the world, on the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> woot, woot. Hey, <laughs> to the final podcast. <laughs> So this will be like, I think, the episode 104, right? And so um, I'm going to take a little bit of a break from it for a while. Um, and uh, I've been doing it for a couple of years. And so I just want to thank everybody who has been listening to the show. And uh, I thought uh, what a, a cool way to end it off is with Brandy. And what we already talked about, a lot of the barriers that are holding people back because we've been working with quite a few chiropractors over the last years. And, you know, some people take the information and double, triple their practice, rock it out, and other people won't. And, uh, and so maybe if we, we, we're going to break down those differentiating factors between the ones that do and that don't, and we'll do the top. This, this is actually one of Brandy's uh, posts. Um, a lot of people have got sipping brandy. So they, they're, 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 we're going to do an example of what you can do with uh, Brandy's Sipping Brandy book, where we take one of her posts and then we're just going to break it down and basically talk it through. But before we do that, we want to uh, do a shout out to uh, the girls that we met in Portugal um, at the end of the seminar there from France and England, who uh, came up and said they were big fans of the show. So I wanted to give a reach out to those girls. Um, we we uh, hung out after the seminar doing some pre-post uh, objective finding checks with adjustments after the, after the seminar, and that was pretty fun. So we wanted to give a, a shout out to those girls. And, uh, and hope they're rocking it up. So I think there were a couple of guys there, but it was mostly the girls. So I yeah, they were quiet. They're, the guys were pretty quiet. The girls were, <laughs> but there are some guys there too. <laughs> Bunch of young, young chiropractors. So cool to, cool to work with them just for a few minutes and show them what's possible and blow their mind a little bit with some of the objective findings we do in the shift. And also, uh, hopefully, you know who you are. You got under a more expensive care plan. That's yes. That's what we were trying to show you. <laughs> you need a little bit more care, work on that posture, right? So that your brain comes alive. So um, how did you enjoy Portugal, my dear? That was a pretty cool event. Yeah, we were in Portugal for the weekend and it was very cool to go and experience um, those of you that weren't there. I mean, a lot of the UK listeners, a lot of the you guys came actually over to Lisbon but I mean, it was really very cool what that association has done in really short 20 years. This was their 20 year um, celebration that they've gone over and they've uh, um, been able to solidify in the law, uh, the protection of vertebral subluxation, the protection of the word adjustment, um, defining chiropractic as we would define chiropractic, that in fact it is uh, an interference to the functioning of the nervous system and ultimately to somebody's overall quality of life. Uh, like very cool to see that that's written in law and that's what that association has done. There's only like, I think 30 Port Portuguese chiropractors, like it's very yeah. small. Um, and that's cool to see because in all of these big countries with thousands and tens of thousands of chiropractors were destructively destructive to one another. And there, but such a small group has made such a massive difference with law so, you know, kudos to them, the APQ it's called, and thank you to Theo for inviting us. Yeah, Theo, shout out if you're listening. Yeah, and it was, uh, yeah, it was great. It was a great, it was a great venue, great lineup. Um, we had a great time. It was, uh, it was fun to be there our first time to Portugal. So I was really very honored to, to be there and close out the session on Saturday to everybody, which is fun because a group that size, you have an opportunity to be a little more interactive and see you know, what people need from you. And I just threw the PowerPoint away. I didn't even use the PowerPoint in the last session and just got the flip chart out and just talked about what I thought based on what the whole weekend had uh, gone and the information was taught to try to wrap it all up into really some 
simple, simple things that people could do on Monday to help improve their communication and also their uh, consciousness with the people that they're. Well, I think that's uh, you did you, you on your last session, you actually did an example of how we should communicate in our office, right? Is because you had an idea of a PowerPoint of what you wanted to say. But instead of that, because of what you've talked to people about, you just pulled out that uh, flip chart and you let, and you just went right into what the crowd wanted, which was pretty cool because that's what we want to do with our office, right? It's, it's the whole idea of that talk was to be able to dive into each individual person and kind of link what chiropractic would mean in their life. Yeah. Just the old spray and pray where we're just tell, telling general scripts and hoping that people pick up on what we're doing. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think the vitality shift, what a lot of people don't know about the shift or those of them who bought it, who didn't, who haven't used it, haven't really understood what the, what the intention behind the shift is. And despite what people think, and they think it's about the objective findings, it's not, it's really about communicating individually with people who are in front of you. And I talked about this in Portugal. I've talked about it in other seminars. It's the who before what It's understanding who is in front of you before you apply what to them, what information, uh, what check, what technique, what care plan, so that we individualize our care, which is very foreign in this, in this world of chiropractic. It's not foreign in other helping professions, and I hate to break it to chiropractors, it's not the only helping profession. There are many helping professions, and the individualized approach to care is really I've talked about this lots, is the, is the guiding principle of the salutogenic model. And that you don't, we don't make muffins with people and we don't just do the same thing with everybody regardless of who they are and what they present with, that we actually have this ability to improve our skill sets so that we understand who's in front of us. If you can understand who's in front of you, um, you're, you're much more effective uh, with not only communicating why chiropractic is important for the overall life, but also keeping people under care longer because they can see their story in the chiropractic story. And if you can't get people to see their story in your story, they're not going to stay with you long-term. Well, and I was just telling you, I just had uh, knee surgery and it's funny because I'm in a hot and it basically you're in a hospital, you have nurses, they're very in the mechanistic model, which again, when I have torn meniscus, you need it to be mechanistic to repair that mechanistically. And it's so funny is that once they find out I'm a chiropractor, they're asking all about chiropractic and I only explain chiropractic in a salutogenic model. And every single one of them were totally receptive to it and said, that was amazing. That sounds so cool uh, to optimize function rather than just treating the symptoms and the causes. And, and I said to Brandy after I was kind of recovering, saying, isn't it funny that we talk about chiropractic in that model in a total, in a medical environment? And they think that that's really cool. And then you talk about it in a chiropractic environment. They're like, show the research. There's no benefit for that. And like they fight it all and say we're only MSK. And uh, I, I thought that was pretty interesting. <laughs> that Which is hilarious. Better reception in the hospital. It shows the short-sightedness of, of what evidence is. Because in other professions, there's tons of research on the salutogenic model. And when you talk to people who are in other helping professions, social work, psychology, positive psychology, uh, counseling, a life, life, well, I hate calling them life coaches, but people who actually have a, some degree of training, that is actually the model that many of those helping professionals are, uh, want. I mean, I just was telling this story the other day to a chiropractor. I have a, we have a practice member who's a psychologist and he was asking what I, what I teach, which a lot of our practice members are like, well, what are you teaching? And so I basically, in their mind, they're surprised that chiropractors need help. So it's the mind of the public thinks, oh yeah, like you're my, you're the chiropractor, you're the doctor. Like, why would you go to a summit? Like, don't you have it all? Did you learn it all in school? Which of yeah. course, from the general public's perspective, how would they know that you right. know, there's a percentage of people that keep learning and evolving? And so I said to him, I said, well, one of the, the, the models of care that we embraced here at the office and also other chiropractors embraces this model of salutogenesis where we really want to build a trust coaching relationship and help people unleash their potential. I said, that's the only way I can say it, that we know that a lot of people are living a dimmed experience. And a huge part of that dimmed experience is the fact that their nervous system is not working to the degree in which we want it to. Therefore, the brain cannot interpret the environment externally and internally at an optimal level. So when you can't interpret the information coming in and you can't interpret the information within, then you end up in living a dimmed experience. And part of what we do in chiropractic, it's not the only thing, but it's a huge part of what we do 
is illuminate the dim. And he said, oh, that's so good. He said, in psychology, that's what we're trying to do with people who come in with serious trauma and issues. And that's where it came from. He was a social scientist. He said, he goes, I'm going to research that and look it up because I would like to start to implement that theory into the way that I work with people in psychology, because I feel like if I could do that better, then I'm going to find that people are going to actually have more effective results in the work that I'm doing. I'm like, exactly. That's the way it works. Because they feel like they're involved, right? Because they, they actually have something to do. If they're broken, then someone else has to fix them. But if they know that they were just trying to optimize what they already have, um, then they can actually participate. Imagine and if you can build strength from within, that's the whole philosophy of what we do. If you can build that strength, it's already there. Uh, we, are, we know it's already there. We know that the system's intelligent. We know that it's responding appropriately to the stimulus at hand, uh, that it's perceiving. But when the perception changes, it realizes, oh, wait a second, that's not actually what it is because it starts to integrate that data differently and more clearly. And so that's not, that's not a broken system. That's a brilliant system. And it only becomes dysfunctional because what happens is it creates dysfunction in people's lives, their relationships, the way they view the world, and ultimately some of their health outcomes. So, you know, that, that's where the dysfunction is, but not within the system. And so I think that for, for a lot of people outside chiropractic, that just, it so makes sense to people. And, but within chiropractic, it seems so foreign because it's been drilled into chiropractors that you have to be able to treat and diagnose a problem. And now we become like every other treatment and diagnosis profession in the world. And yet, hilariously, many of those professions are trying to move away from that. Not us. No, no we're trying to move away from that. Yeah, we are. But I know that's that in general. But not us personally. And a, few, and a select few that listen to the podcast. No, that's good. So we want to say hi to everybody that was in Portugal. Um, uh, the next event we're going is in Dublin. Yep. you'll be speaking in Dublin to Ireland at the end of September. So that will be good. So any UK people, uh, hopefully we'll see you out at that, at that seminar. Now today uh, we wanted to get into our, uh, one of Brandy's top tens, because this, I think this would be a good one to leave everybody with because with already there being 104 episodes um, and each one's about 45 minutes long, there's so much content, even just if you go through my podcast, uh, just of the different free uh, information that you can use to grow your practice. And we'll, and, and what we're going to do today is kind of differentiate the difference between people who take the information and actually implement it and change their practice and people who just kind of consume more content and don't do anything. And uh, so I'm going to, going to run through the, the top 10 things uh, that differentiate uh, people that have blown up their practice and other people that haven't really done anything. And then we're going to have Brandy kind of expand on them. I think we just, um, those, there's lots of people listen to this podcast who don't follow me on Facebook, probably because I don't have room. So if you don't follow me on Facebook, huge part of my um, motivation or, or inspiration every morning that I write a post is usually something that we're dealing with at that time. So there's lots of stuff about my practice or things. Sometimes I'll scroll through Facebook and be inspired or not or de-inspired <laughs> or, de or, de or, or horrified to write about something and this particular thing because Don has just is coming off of his second knee surgery we've been home for five days which is unheard of for the McDonald's to be home and not working and so uh, although we are not working we've been working in the sense that we you know, have been supporting our shifters and our turbo shifters who are part of our membership program and I just I think after a call, we did a, a Zoom call and I was talking to Don about a couple of people. And I just said, you know, there's a differentiation between you can we it's the same information. This particular chiropractor has has done very well in practice. And he was thanking, thanking us. And I'm like, and you had said to him, Don't thank us, thank you. We give the same information to everybody, right? Yeah. To, to some degree. And there's a differentiation between those people who take that in, bounce it off whether it's gonna work modify it for their own style of practice and their own personality and do the work and then get the results. And then people who just grin and nod and think it's a good idea, but never really change or transform the practice. So that was really because we've been doing this work and been able to spend a little more time with our crew um, in our group. That was what had inspired me to write some of the traits that the chiropractor has that really does blow up their practice. And some of those people doubled, doubled their practice and, made a hundred grand more, 120 grand more last year than they did the year before. And so that kind of stuff happening for people, um, just is interesting to see who, who it, again, not what are we teaching, 
but who is that that's doing that? Not and what is the information that somebody needed to do that? Who is the person that can do that? Well, and, and that's exactly the reason why we do the Transformers Mastermind that we're doing in Toronto, which we still have a couple spaces left. So it's at trueconceptseminars.com if you're interested in joining that. But mostly it's not the tools, right? It's the person using the tools. And yeah. when, when if we have uh, mental uh, obstacles that are holding us back, like we just will take in, because everybody has all the information. We always say everybody has all the information. It's just whether you're going to implement it or not. So uh, that's that's why those kind of uh, events are so important because when you first grow your practice, it's some of it's about the tools. But when you get your practice to the higher levels, a lot of the people we worked with said it actually wasn't about the practice tools anymore, but it was actually about the personal development and the personal growth, and yeah. that's actually what changes your practice, right? So yeah. Okay. So number one. Sorry. <laughs> well, are you gonna literally read it? I'm gonna read it. Well, I'll read. Okay. I'll read part of it, and then you can expand on it. Uh, the first thing. So people who do uh, maximize their practice blow up um, compared to people that don't is that they focus on less, not more. Rather than doing extra stuff or finding extra time, they use their time effectively and efficiently towards only things that grow their practice. Expand. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know what more to say about that bullet point other than a lot of people don't think they have enough time. So we work with the, the people that we've worked with that have so dramatically blown up their practices actually have young kids, young families, have other things going on outside their practice. So it's not like somebody who's just single and has all the time in the world. I think that's the biggest myth. Lots of chiropractors have lots of kids and lots of young families in business. And what is so important when you have so many things, and actually a lot of them were female chiropractors actually that, that yes. this was more interesting than than not then they're looking after the house too like not only they're actually yeah and, the and actually there's for the family so their husbands although they may work some husbands work at home um they often are the sole income earners for their families so or so the breadwinner or the breadwinner yeah if there's, yeah. If, there's a, if the house is working but not to bring in as much as the female chiropractor um which by the way typically pretty hard to bring in more when you're killing it as a chiropractor because we grew up earning is unlimited but anyways that's a side note um it really is a matter of finding finding the time um within your time so you're using it more efficiently so you're not finding more time it doesn't mean you have to take more time people don't realize how much time they have in the moment they're with somebody or within the four walls of the practice it's just basically entropic if you don't plan it and so we just found that a lot of people had i've talked a million times about this they had enough information but they almost had too much information. And we actually found that a few of our people kept going to all these seminars and kept doing more and more and more and more. And then, and then actually what happened was it just paralyzed them. They actually didn't know now how to, where to start and how to start because now they had too much information. Yeah. So it's not rocket science, how to grow your practice. And what we found is that even in our shift unplugs, when I asked people to tell me what they could do to grow their practice, a hundred percent of the chiropractors will give me all the strategies. They already know. Everybody knows how to grow their practice. So the key is why aren't they? And so the person, the trait of the person who does picks one or two or three things of those strategies that you're already aware of. And even if it's not perfect, they do it and they focus only on that. And in there, if they have any downtime or different time, the only thing they're doing is thinking to themselves, how would I attract more new people if that's their strategy is new people into my office? Well, how will I ensure that people have access to me on an ongoing basis? Because the best solution I have for the community is that they come to see me. So there's a level of focus and with their time that is so important. And on Michael Hall's podcast, I talked about the time study. That's really where people looked at where their time was. And when they looked at where their time was is where they could start to say, well, instead of this, I'm going to do this. And mm -hmm. so they could put in some of their strategies in, in the times that they already have. And I think that that's um, when people use their current time differently and they did less, that's actually the people that grew the most. Well, and then I think too, you take your schedule and you actually plan the priorities rather than let the crises drive your plan. Because a lot of people don't have the priorities scheduled, hard 
drilled into their into their schedule. So then they're always just reacting to the environment, and it always and that's why it just kind of fills up their whole day because a lot of times they do the time study and they and once you actually write it down, it seems like they're not doing that much stuff, but they always are doing stuff because you can always figure out fires to put out, right? And never actually get to priority things. Well, and you gotta be careful. We, uh, we worked with a chiropractor who had, who had the pathology of busy. And that is, you gotta be careful about that because if you're like also doing a million things, you're doing talks and you're doing screenings and you're handing out coupons and you're handing out business cards and you're super busy, but you're not getting any results. You gotta be really careful about the busy because the brain goes, oh, I'm, a, I'm doing all the work. And then there tends to be, oh, now I can get frustrated with the results, but it's not effective. So you also have to look at the effective use of your time and not just the efficient use of your time and not just doing a bunch of things because it's the thing to do. So that's really, you also have to look at your results and whether they're effective in the time that you're spending doing Right. Yeah, as I say, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results if it's not effective is insanity, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Number two, they value action over analysis, even when it feels uncomfortable. Well, everybody wants to know, what should I do? <laughs> like, well, what do you think you should do? You're going to get, and so there's a personality, you're, the high analyticals like to think a lot and they like to think about it and then they think about it some more and then they think about it some more and then they go and research and then they think about it some more. Thinking about it is okay for a period of time because it, it, it creates, for that personality type, it creates a sense of, of ease to some degree so that they're going to do something. The problem is, is if there's never any action behind the analysis, you actually are in this paralysis state and you don't, that's where you start to go, I don't know what I, don't know what I should start with because what's happened is now you've gathered way too much information. So it's what I just talked about when you're going to go look at a whole bunch of information. And so the opposite of analysis is action. You cannot, you, I talk about, uh, in the, again, I've talked about this in the last podcast, I talked about replacement behavior. And in order to stop a behavior, you don't just, you can't just tell somebody who's a high um, analytical to just stop analyzing. It's never going to happen. That's the way they're wired. What will happen, though, is they can train their brain to know when they start to get into that an analytical state where it's going to paralyze them, they can actually train themselves to override that and do something. Because when you're in action, the brain no longer then is analyzing things. Those two can't exist in the same world. So that actually is a huge um, brain training exercise if you find that you are analyzing things too much to actually spend some time just doing something, even if you haven't got it all sorted out, even though it feels horrible, even though it feels uncomfortable, you are aware of it, but you do it anyways. And you bring that awareness to you. You're like, oh, okay, I got that. I got what this is. I'm going to do something different. You can't do those two things at the same time. It's impossible. Right. Sorry, that's Lux in the background barking. And because it's the last podcast, he felt left out if he couldn't bark. So yeah. that's, uh, yeah. that, that's all right. If you're in the background, he's just being a send off yeah <laughs> okay number three um these people work on personal barriers including the health barriers toxicity in relationships staff dynamics and emotional chaos well i probably should put that as number one yeah totally <laughs> this is why the transformers mastermind exists um this is the last year for it we're not going to do it again um it's been an interesting experience because a lot of people don't think they need this and yet it's the very thing that most people need yep uh, every time you turn around, there you are. It's incredible how your business mirrors your life. And I, I can appreciate that there's a degree of dissociation where people think their practice is different than their life. And it's absolutely not. It is a mirror of who you are. It is a mirror of what you bring in. It is a mirror of your ability to handle chaos, to handle stress, to train your mind over your emotions. It's a mirror of how you build relationships in your personal life. And so it's just a mirror of everything. And so a lot of the people, I would say that's kind of the first thing they did because they did have all the information is they started looking at, well, what are the barriers emotionally or in, in relationship structures that I have or in health that I have that will, that will be the barrier for me growing my practice because it takes a huge amount of bandwidth to go in every day and grow a practice. 
you have to have a huge amount of physical strength and physical health and physical uh, uh, health and relationships with your intimate partners and whoever else you surround yourself with. Because if you don't have that, it's a distraction to you. And you don't have the bandwidth that you, you need to actually do the work. Because the work is, it's not easy to grow a practice. We've told our story a million times. We've technically really done it three times, really. First in practice with nobody, and then the, the staying at that level for so long, and then the evolution of the second build at our second practice. And that's really when we were working our tail off. And then the loss of our practice, and then the third build, with the, which is our current practice today. So three times we've really done that. And at each time, it, it, I guess we got a little bit smarter, and we got a little bit faster at doing it because you have some muscle memory. And you start to learn how to do it differently and with less uh, work and less of your emotional health going out the window doing it. It's possible to do this without burning out. Um, but I would say if you've never really pushed your practice on, its, on your own and you start to do it, a lot of people lose their emotional health and their physical health doing so. So, And the only reason you could do that is because your cup wasn't very full anyways. And so it doesn't take much to drain it to its empty. So really, um, it, because business is a constant, growth of a business is a constant, it's not a variable. Uh, in chiropractic, we take it as a variable. So our practices, uh, I call them, they're, they're, mountain, they're mountain peaks and valleys. And so we, we pop up, we pop down, we pop up, we pop down, which is an exhausting way to practice. So people have to take care of themselves. I don't mean that physically, I mean it emotionally as well. And you have to be careful who you surround yourself with. If you have intimate relationships, that are saboteurs to your practice, that's a huge challenge for chiropractors. We see that a lot. And, the, and it requires either setting boundaries and in intimate relationships, and sometimes it's required the ending of intimate relationships. And because not only is your practice suffering, you suffer. And you go to work every day and you're just trying to get through the day, there is no way in hell you can build your practice in that mindset. You just can't. You don't have the physical right. emotional bandwidth to do so. So Wherever you are, there you are. And so I think that that is the key to why it is so important that you get help and mentorship around uh, working on those key personal issues before you start to grow. Well, and it's funny because we talk about the, the, the hard work of building the practice and then the, the woo-woo of building a practice, right? Yeah. We tried to just do the woo-woo part all by itself. <laughs> and then you just try to do the hard work all by itself without any woo-woo or any personal uh, energy. And, and that works better than just the woo by itself without doing it. Yeah. But I, ideally, if, and again, when we call it the woo-woo, that's kind of like you're inspired, you're, you're full. And so you just basically give off that attractive energy and you're doing the work at the same time. So that's kind of using the energy, the material and the energy both together, right? So we want to kind of be half hard work, half woo-woo. <laughs> well, we say woo-woo because, I mean, there's like probably 1% of the profession who opened their doors and said, I just connected to universal intelligence and people flew in my door. Right. Which is awesome. That did not happen for us. We, did, we had to grind it out three times. And it got easier when we did the grind, plus we, we were connected and took care of ourselves and had the emotional bandwidth it requires to not only grow, but sustain the practice. I mean, practice growth is not just about new people coming in your door, even though that's the sale today. Uh, it's really, you know, I see a lot of people that go, that, that um, advertise, they got, they had 43 new patients in two days. I'm most curious as to what, how many people they see in their practice overall, because I'm telling you, first of all, 43 new people in two days, if you don't keep those people, you're going to consistently need to do that. And so, you know, on average, if we're keeping people less than 18 visits in our chiropractic world, that's, you're going to constantly need that bandwidth to go out and get new people. That's a huge amount of energy that's required. For us in our model, it is about keeping people long-term. It's not about churning and burning them out. It's about people buying lifetime care and visits at a time and being that conscious and aware that that is where people are at until they're not there anymore. And so I think that um, you have to, when we're talking about growing practices, we're not just talking about getting 2,000 new people in three days and not keeping them. We're talking about not only the attraction of people coming in, but the planting of 
of the seeds so the roots take and people will stay in your practice long term because that's really where you get to a, at a certain point in practice where we are where we're not really we're not growing our practice anymore we're where we want to be we've been there for some time that doesn't mean we don't market and it doesn't mean that we don't still attract people into our practice the, the, the work that it takes for us to do that is much less today than it was. Um, and, and the key and the goal is to get to that E state where you don't just take your foot off the gas and because there's always going to be natural attrition to any practice. I don't care what anybody says. People die, they move away, they change their mind. That People just do that. I mean, like, I don't care what anybody says. That happens in every practice in the world. Um, so you have to be careful that you're, you're not just thinking growing a practice just requires that level of engagement because it doesn't. It requires multiple levels of engagement in the practice. Mm -hmm. Which goes to the very next one. Um, they don't own a number which owns their capacity. Um, they never say, I will never see a certain amount or I can't see a certain amount. They put their head down, ass up, and do the work. The volume falls and their capacity surprises most of them. Oh, I love that the best. I would never see that number. Yeah. I'm like, you know, how do you know that? You've never even done it. You can't say that. Soon as somebody says that, that judgment, it means one of two things. It means somebody has told them along the way that that is either inappropriate, unethical, can't provide good service, who knows, over-serving. So they have learned that that is somewhat inappropriate, however they've learned that. Mm -hmm or they have a capacity block to the degree in which they currently practice. So the level they practice at right now, they're doing it inefficiently. And so I often will say, no shit, you can't see that volume. Because at the current state of affairs you're in right now, there's no way you could double your practice. Right. You, don't even have the, you don't have the structural capacity, which means they either don't have the hours per week, they're not fast enough, they're doing, they're, they're making people hostage in their office and they're there for hours on end or whatever. They don't have the staff. They can't scale. There's a million structural reasons why somebody literally physically couldn't see or double their practice. Mm -hmm. So I think people that really grow their practice, double their practice or dramatically improve it, um, no longer attach themselves to a number. What they do is they attach themselves to the work it takes and doing less, not more, doing the three to five things every single day or week that it takes for the period of time. And all of a sudden they wake up and they're like, holy smokes, I have doubled. And these are the same people, the people who have said that, which again, it's actually been female chiropractors that we've worked with that have doubled, gone, there was never a time in my life that I would have ever, ever imagined seeing this. And it's not as hard as I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. so, it's interesting because I think when you attach yourself to, you know, because everybody's like, ah, so never about the numbers. Okay, well, it all is about the numbers from the perspective of business. So when I say not attach yourself to the numbers, what I mean is that if you already have a preconceived judgment on seeing a certain volume, then, and you're trying to grow, that, is, that in itself is a barrier. So these are not for people who are happy with seeing 50 weeks, 70 weeks. I'm not talking to you talking to the people that are trying to dramatically grow their practice. And if that comes up for you, then you need to start to identify why is that coming up for you? And if you focus less on that and more on the work that it takes and the structure of the practice that has to change to support that particular volume, and you just did that, you'd be surprised at what your capacity. Chiropractors are nowhere near their capacity. They would be surprised at their capacity, which every single person said, I cannot believe it. And I can't believe it's not as hard as I thought it was. Right. Yeah, it's pretty funny when you see that and they're like, whoa. So and if you get there and you don't like it, which is what happened to us, you want to get up there and you want to see three, four, five, six, seven hundred a week, and you're like, no, thank you, then say that. But if you're seeing 90 a week and you say, I can't see 120 or 130, you don't know that. You don't know that. I'm not saying you have to do it. I don't care what you see. I'm saying if you're trying to do it and you want to do it and you already have that ahead of you, you've learned that along the way. And if you attach yourself to a capacity block, I promise you, you're going to stay at the, at the current block that you're at right now. Because that's the way it works. Well, I find sometimes some people say they want to grow, but they don't really want to grow. But they yeah. just, maybe they just say it because they, they should say it. So and I, you have to sacrifice things to grow. Right. So not everybody is willing to sacrifice what it takes to grow a business. And that's okay. But at that point, 
you need to get to that agreement where you just don't want to. Mm-hmm. And if it's paying the bills for you, now it's different if you say, I don't want to, but it's actually a fear-oriented thing. That's right. different. Because if it's not paying the bills and you're struggling and you're going to claim bankruptcy and you can't pay off your loans and you say you don't want to, at some point, you have to really identify like what is behind that, which is what the Transformers Workshop does. But if, if you're not, if you really literally are okay, then just stop. Then don't do it. That's okay. Nobody, nobody, listen, all of our lives go on whether people grow their practices or not. <laughs> and we all have pretty good lives. Right. And, so and, you're, and, and your life's going to go on too. So you might as well your just. Your life's going to go on too. It's, it's yeah. you're choosing, you choose what you choose and you choose what you don't. So it really, it's, it's your call. It's, it's okay. But these are for people who really seriously do want to grow. Uh, and if you do, you have to look at the traits of people who have done it. Okay. Number five, adaptation is their superpower. When something doesn't go their way, they reset quickly and get back on track. Uh, it's funny because um, Gary Vaynerchuk, is it Gary Vaynerchuk? I can't remember who it was one of the podcasts I was listening to. They said, if I'm not failing, then I'm not doing enough action because, because the more they fail, the more that doesn't work, the more they reset because the, they're not kind of testing the boundaries of what their capacities are. Right. So we just talked about this in, with our closed membership group, the turbo shifters, that if you don't see a lot of new people in your practice, if you have a fairly low volume practice, a low amount of new people, you never, ever, ever improve your communication skills. It stays the same because what happens is the more people you deal with, the more ninja you get at your skills because it's more practice. It's like me. If I only golf, which I do five times a year, I sort of suck. I plateau. I don't really ever improve versus when I can go away more often, I dramatically improve my skills. It's the same in practice with communication. And so you don't really know how to adapt to people when you don't see that many people. Right. So it doesn't pressure you. And so adaptation is, is about what's working and what's not working. And, and you're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater when if something doesn't work, you're going, okay, you know what? That part didn't work, but this did. So I'm going to do this again. You see this all the time with screenings or like public oh, events, yeah. talks that didn't work. So I'm never doing I'm not, it again. I'm not doing that again. I'm like, you did it once or maybe twice, 10 years ago. Are you the same person as you were 10 years ago? No. So and the whole thing, it's not the event that didn't work. Something within that maybe you could have improved on. That's adaptation. So it's, you don't throw the baby. Adaptation is keeping, <laughs> keeping the baby and throwing the bathwater out and then changing the bathwater so it's a little bit warmer. The worst analogy ever, but it's sort of the same idea. Or it's like a fish tank, where you don't take all the water out of the fish tank, or the fish will die. When you have a fish tank, you have to take little pieces of the water out when you're changing the water, so all the fish don't die. So you're just adapting pieces of what you're doing. And people that grew uh, tried things, they autopsied them, they looked at like, you know what, this worked, this didn't work, and they changed what didn't work, and then they tried it again. And then they bounced it off of themselves and go, you know what? That was good. That wasn't good. Let's do that. They didn't have personal ownership. It didn't kill their self-esteem. They didn't feel sorry for themselves. They just reset, reframed, and moved on. Like a ninja. Um, Number six, they know marketing is a simple tool to serve more, not a creepy sales tactic. They see the value of consistently sowing and reaping because that's what successful businesses do. Well, what more can I say? I mean, like marketing is just marketing. It's just, we have to take the emotional um, energy away from marketing, just like we need to take the emotional energy away from numbers. And it just is what it is. Like I can't imagine any other business in the world is doing well going, yeah, marketing is too creepy. I'm not going to do it. I don't know where you think people are going to come from. So that like, we, we don't live in a world where people wake up in the morning and go, yeah, today is the day I'm going to have my breakfast and see the chiropractor. The general public so you have to you have to understand that marketing is part of what you need to do how you do it your brand the type of people you want to serve where you find them how you find them you know is all really personal and individual so that's that's where the work comes down but in order for you to actually do things consistently you have to get rid of the creep the creep factor and so when people say well I just I'm it's not I'm, I'm uncomfortable like asking for a referral or I'm uncomfortable doing a talk or doing a screening because it's creepy. I'm like, 
Well, the only way that something can be creepy is if you're creepy. So marketing <laughs> isn't creepy. Are you creepy? And of course they're not. Like these are people that are super amiable, loving. I'm like, okay, so if you're not creepy, it's actually impossible for it to be creepy. Right. So marketing has no energy to it whatsoever. You're the one who brings the energy to it. Only way you get creeped out by a salesman is not because of a vacuum. Okay? The vacuum, and it doesn't have a problem. Yeah. The salesman has a problem. So if you're not creepy, don't worry about it. And most chiropractors, in my opinion, most of them, literally cannot be creepy because so many are amiable, expressive personalities, and they don't have that even style about them. In right. fact, they're on the far end of not even telling the truth about what we do. They're hiding it, yeah, hiding it like a secret. So they're hiding it and hoping that just somebody kind of stumbles upon them. So, you know, getting rid of that is really, really important because you have to market and you have to ongoing and have an ongoing strategy to allow access to you for people in your community. Well, and as we say, it's always, it's not about us, it's about them. It's, it's, it's our responsibility when we know something that can benefit the public that we need to get it out there because that's what we hear lots when we do our screenings or have new people come in and go through all the vital signs and they go, holy cow, I've never had this exam before I've never been explained how how I have a role in my health like this before why didn't I hear about this earlier right because people are, we're people are mad about marketing yeah, yeah. And like, I, how could I not have heard this before I, I I've done probably a hundred posts at the end of a either a new practice member visit or a screening where people have said that to me and my question is good question why have you not heard this before so it's really really important people need what we have and that's the only way to get them to it is for us to put our message out there. Number seven, they view their practice as game seven sports all the time. They train for it. They prep their week. They stay focused and they win more than they lose, which gives them success momentum. Yeah. If you, if you recognize that every day you go to practice and you have to train like an elite athlete and you have to keep yourself in shape and you have to keep your mind in shape and you're not dragging in and dragging out. You know, you, you drag in and drag out game seven, your team's going to lose. And you have a level of leadership to your staff and to the team members that support you that every day we go in, it's game seven. And that that's the level of consciousness and awareness it's required to really sustain a very successful practice. You will get more successful. And, and that's really what it requires to keep the growth of your practice alive is more successful momentum than failure momentum. And once you get that, you want more of it. You win for hockey, a Stanley Cup. You want another Stanley Cup. Yeah. You win a championship ring, you want another ring. So it's sort of that, that is sort of patterning success momentum in your brain, but you have to plan and prep for success momentum. It doesn't just happen. Number eight, uh, each person that really succeeded, they found a tribe that is doing the work, not just lip service, so they can relate. They stay accountable and mentor others, teaching their learnings further, embedding those learnings. It's kind of like learning, surrounding yourself with people, and then also helping to support others. I think that once you, you find that once you, it's a little bit, this is a bad analogy, so don't give me hate mail. It's a little bit like what happened when I worked with, in addictions is when people got clean, their driving desire in life was to help others get clean. And it was always a really positive, um, motivation for recovering addicts it's a little bit like that <laughs> when you grow your practice and you or you double your practice you actually really want to help other people do the same because you know it's possible you know how easy it can be you know the work it takes right it's easy and work i know that it feels like those two shouldn't go in the same sentence but they really do and you really I, the more that you actually then teach others it actually creates a level of awareness for you to stay at a certain level in your own practice and the tribe that comes along with it doing the same work that you're doing. It's, it can be quite um, debilitating to be in a tribe that's not doing the same thing as you are or just talking about doing the same thing you are, and but actually it's not true. So to find a tribe that resonates with you, that's authentic with you and doing the same thing you are, keeps you accountable and that accountability then you want to give back. So if your tribe is giving to one another like that, then that again creates this resonance and you, it really stays with you in your practice. Yeah. And I found it's important to get that, that back and forth. Cause I know the, like the first couple of times I went to like either D Martini or something and I had a big personal, like, so this is a lot of personal development. 
and you have a breakthrough as a person, or I had a breakthrough as a person, then what I did is I wanted to have everybody else have a breakthrough yeah. around me. But the problem was I didn't really analyze that tribe to see if they actually wanted to grow. So if, if when you, cause again, one of the two of the top human needs is growth and contribution, right? So when you grow, you want to, con you want to contribute. The challenge is if you've kind of just learned about it and just kind of broke through and then you start trying to share, I was, I compared it to like climbing up a ladder and what I used to do. And I said this in, in my book, um, the underdog curse, if, if you just go up one rung on the ladder and then you turn around and try to get every single person in your life to come up one rung before you go to the next rung, um, that also can be a negative impact, right? So the, the cool thing is, is that when you do grow, you want to make sure you're in a tribe that wants to grow as well. So that when you do share, you actually get that positive feedback back rather than the negative feedback back. Yeah. Because if, if you succeed, you get the negative feedback back. That is some of the contributing factors to sabotage, which will totally, actually, totally bring you right back down the ladder. It brings you right back down. So it's important to know that you're, you're going to want to contribute, but you really need to know who you're contributing to. Um, especially if you haven't been there for long enough to have. Yes. Totally. That is a great point because back to the recovering addicts, there has to be a period of time that somebody has really sustained their state to actually be strong enough to become a teacher. Yeah. I get today in the world of social media, everybody's a coach, everybody's a mentor, everybody's, everybody's an expert. And and there's a lot of people that have only that are only on one rung of the ladder. And what you'll see this, we're talking to a girlfriend about this in a different industry where she was saying how she knew somebody who was doing this personal development. And she said, it's so almost creepy because it's like level one weird stuff that, that you hear other people talking about. And the reason it feels weird is because if you are at level one on the ladder and you are trying to now work with people at level four or five or six on the ladder, you're going to get destroyed because they can tell that it's not authentic. Now, if you work with people who aren't on a ladder yet, freaking awesome. That's your level one. You need to find the people who aren't on a ladder yet. Right. So it's the same in practice. I mean, if you, you know, we had a chiropractor, she, she sees 300 a week. She starts talking to somebody who's at 80 a week. And the first feedback is like, I never see that volume. That's just, how do you provide good service? Okay. That is very hard for somebody who is not really solidified in where they are in their practice and the happiness and fulfillment of whatever number they want to see. It's going to start to chip away with you. So you have to really be careful who you're giving that back to. And that's why the tribe, the tribe who's doing similar things matters immensely. That's a great, great point. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks, honey. You're welcome. Yeah, Sometimes you have some really good points. <laughs> God time. Um, okay. Number eight. Um, they number eight. We already oh, done eight. Number nine. Number nine. Uh, they become consistently consistent. No matter how boring the grind is, they don't chase the next shiny object. They stick with one thing till it works, then they rinse and repeat. Yeah, we see so many people, oh, hey, they just, they, they, oh for a topic and then boom, they're at another seminar or at a different seminar. They haven't even. I, I literally want to know, again, I think it, 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 so before you think we're being judgmental, the reason it stands out so much for us when I watch certain people at every weekend they're at a new seminar is because that used to be us. So the reason it's, it's so painfully obvious to Dawn and I is because that was us. And we, we didn't realize it was much more exciting to chase new things and new ideas. And, and I don't know that we consciously thought this, but we subconsciously thought in the back of our mind, one day something's going to hit. Like if I just go to the right yeah. seminar, something's going to hit and it's going to help us because we were so desperate. So you know, it, it, it really took us a long time to really own the fact that there's a lot of boring crap in business. It is not interesting. And, and it really, you got to know that to do the same thing day in and day out and do the same plan and do, use your time the same way and have a consistency to your consistency is not super adrenaline producing, but it is where the results happen which then produces some good chemicals. So once you realize the consistently boring consistency produces the results that give you good chemicals and you get those results, you're more likely to stay with the consistent boring consistency. Yeah, and I've used that, uh, the analogy of John Wooden, right? Who's like the winningest basketball coach in NCAA history. And uh, I think he won like the most uh, championships anyone has ever won. 
and he was known for just the basics and he just make everybody do layup after layup after layup, like free throw after free throw after free throw. Like every single play they did, they had to practice like eight trillion times. And, and the funny thing was, is it seems boring. You'd be like, well, they were master of the basics. So if you can find mastery in the basics, that's actually where it, it, it all happens. Right. And I think too, if you think, you know, in, in, think about golf in golf, yeah. one of the things that if you watch like us recreational golfers, what is most exciting is to pull your driver out on the driving range. So it's the funnest to kabong <laughs> the ball as far as you can. The problem is you don't drive that much in golf. You drive 18 times. Here's the key. If you actually worked on your putting, which is boring as boring. hell. Think, think if you don't golf, think mini golf over and over and over. And yeah. most of us that are recreational golfers like me, golf uh, putt between two and three times per <laughs> hole. That's 24 strokes that I could cut off versus the 18 drives. That is really where your score will improve. But nobody wants to do that. So you never see a practice putting green full. You always see the driving range with people's kabonger clubs because people are kabonging it out unless they're at a really high level of elite athleticism with golf, doing the boring, boring clubs because that is really where your scoring proves. So th those, that's the same in business. It's, it's sort of, it's not the kabonging ones that are exciting. It's but we all want to kabong everything. We all want to kabong everything. Who doesn't? <laughs> that's a good analogy. That's funny. Okay. Number 10, comfortable, comfortability is their nemesis. That feeling they once embraced becomes an indicator of backward slipping. Evolution becomes their new currency. Yeah, I think what, what happens is we start to, um, what used to be really comfortable and we were kind of convincing ourselves this was a good place to be. You, people that grow and evolve and transform, as soon as they start to feel any of that kind of um, apathy start to set in, they, they, they can identify it and they know, oh, I'm going back and they need to kind of push it, which is where the tribe actually really makes a big difference for people. It's often, sometimes hard to kind of just do that by yourself or you'll start to see results of that in your practice where you're starting to get comfortable and they know that that is not a good place to be because, you know, the only constant in life is change. And so we know that we want to be constantly seeking evolution. Sometimes at some point in your practice, it might be no longer about really how many people you see or the growth of the practice anymore, but now it's going to be about, you know, personal evolution or parenting or health, or there's other things that we see people taking on as new challenges. And we just know that's just a good thing for the brain to be in that constant state of evolution because that's the goal of life. That we're well, and I think a lot of the people who succeed are very aware of the law of entropy, right? Um, entropy just means that things that are left on their own devices start to break down into their smaller parts, right? And, yeah. and we need the syntropy, which is the opposite of entropy, uh, in order to continue to evolve. So like you said, just like uh, even just example, like um, my, one of my uh, spin instructors for spin class um, these guys do spins like two to three times a week and they're like kind of high, high level, just like a high level athlete. And they said they take one week off. And if they take one week off, they are already totally, it takes them a week or two to get back into it because that's how um, it kind of just gets you fuzzy around the edges. So people realize that, you know, yes, we do want to take a holiday. We do want to take a break, but when you do take a break, you need to come back and, and sharpen the saw because uh, it's really easy to get fuzzy and, and kind of more um, complacent. So that's our top ten. That's our top ten. So um, a little longer than reading a Facebook post, but yeah, it is a little bit longer reading a Facebook post, but uh, <laughs> yeah. But I thought we'd do that for the for the last episode. Um, where where can people find us? What what, what are, what's the the last things that we're going to be doing here uh, for? Um, well, I think the biggest thing is September sixth and seventh is our Transformers Mastermind. Um, and the biggest question we've had about that is money which is so interesting to me so those of you that are concerned about money you can reach out to us as we are willing to do payment plans for that um then we won't be doing that one again that particular event again we'll be doing other things but not the mastermind and uh i highly suggest if you want to come to that that you reach out and you do come to that because it's um it was dramatic for people that came last year and you can uh John can put the link to the Facebook video that we did with Peter and talked about a lot of the testimonials and just the ways to transform your life or your practice. So September 6th and 7th is our Transformers. 
Uh, the big one, I think, the last event we're doing this year is our Vitality Shift Canada. So that is in Montreal, Quebec, November 2nd. And so what you need to know about that is uh, that's already half full. So we only have 50% of the seats are left. And again, you can register online through conceptseminars.com for that. That one will absolutely sell out. That's a team. Yeah, we got like 20 left probably. Yeah, yeah that's a team event. Yeah. So you need to know that that one's going to be gone. And so if you're wanting to come to that, I recommend that you get on it because we don't have that. That'll be our first and only North American Vitality Shift that we have planned so far. And that's, so the, only, that's the only Vitality Shift Immersion Day this whole year. Yeah. So we've talked about the difference between the Immersion Day and the Shift Unplugged. So the Immersion Day is our Vitality Shift program taught live. So we teach all the content live. So think of the, the Shift, which is an online module program on steroids. And we teach it live. But we also do... Um, some interactive stuff where we're going to do all the vital signs. We're going to take a, take a case uh, history of somebody that's there. We're going to do all the testing. We're going to show you how to care plan around the syllogetic model. And communicate. Um, and communicate. Do you want to talk about it? No, I just like interrupting. <laughs> so that is November 2nd, Montreal, Quebec. And then going into next year, we have two shift unplugs already scheduled. And those ones, again, I will sell. Those are our multi-speaker uh, workshop events. So they're less seminar, more workshop. So February, we're going to do it again in Scottsdale, Arizona. Registration will be up on trueconceptseminars.com. And that's actually going to be February 7th and 8th in Phoenix, Arizona. And then, of course, we're going back to beautiful Kingscliff, Australia, May 29th and 30th for the Shift Unplugged in Australia. And those are our mentors come and do a session. We have some guest speakers and it's really a stay in place. So you come, you hang out in a cool hotel, we do dinner together, we hang out by the pool, we have some drinks together. You really, the tribe component of what we do, you don't have to be a shifter to come to any of these events. Um, so if you're interested in sort of our concepts, this is more of a mastermind idea and a workshop. So our speakers facilitate, they wanna hear from you, you need to be engaged. We don't have PowerPoints, so we're, we're coming to really in, in really get engaged with the group. So those are our upcoming events. For you. And then we're also looking for the UK, because we've been asked a lot from our UK listeners, uh, when are we going to do an Unplugged in the UK? And I think we're thinking of possibly like London and maybe September 2020 or something. So stay tuned for that. So stay tuned for that. But if you look at trueconceptseminars.com, that's where all that will be. So. My dear, in closing in the pod for the podcast, and I don't know if I'm bringing back the podcast, but it's going to be closed for uh, for a while. What kind of parting words of inspiration would you like to leave to close it off? Well, I think you should be proud of yourself for two years of doing the podcast. It's been huge, huge amount of downloads. Um, everywhere we go, people who don't know you know your voice. And so I think it's really... <laughs> been your gift to the profession. Um, we, we do a lot of stuff for the profession. I think you and I, politically, it doesn't really always feel like a gift. It's more of a curse. Or more like a trauma. <laughs> this, is more, this has been a gift to the profession. And I, what I loved the most about the podcast is we just were really dedicated to kind of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And so, yes, although we got some speakers and coaches and names that people know and, and authors of books outside chiropractic, it's really just been regular chiropractors just putting in the work and putting their head down and doing some really incredible stuff in their practices and their communities. And I think to be able to showcase that around the world so that other chiropractors can just see what's possible for them in their town or their practice has been really important. And, you know, it's, uh, it's built a community, I think. So you should be very proud of yourself. I'm very proud of you and what you've done with the podcast. Oh, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. The, the, the funny thing for me is, is it, is it has been pretty cool to be at different seminars and, and people go, oh, I recognize the voice because they're they're listening to the podcast. So um, just like the uh, our our uh, the ladies from England and and France when we were over in Portugal, um, that was pretty cool. So I, I I really I thank everybody who listened to the podcast and who shared it and. Uh, Again, we're still, we're not going anywhere. We're still going to be on social media and we're going to still be around with our, uh, with our Vitality Ship program and traveling around, but we'll be taking a little break from the podcast for a while. So my dear, thanks very much for being our closing guest on the podcast. Well done, honey. Awesome. And, uh, and for all of you out there, I get to say this one last time, um, you know, take these 10 rules 
of, of becoming a master implementer so that you make the biggest difference for not only just your practice, selfishly for you so that your business gets better so you can better uh, support your family and provide for the chiropractic, but also more importantly, make a bigger impact in your communities because this chiropractic in our model is for the best for the public interest. And, uh, and when you use all this information, one last time, you can get out there and crush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.